Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor to present to you RX Radio. Groove Cafe. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for staying with us and thanks for joining us today. We are now in the Groove Cafe. This is something that you've listened to a couple of times here on the Groove. My name is Viola Kusasia. I'm sitting in for Kristen Newman, who is sick. Let's pray for her to get better and be back with you guys. Otherwise, for now, let's be together and let's enjoy this time. On the Groove Cafe today, we have a guest and um, she is a counselor and currently working as a grief coach student. Um, and she works with a Vessel Is Me, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving care for families who have experienced a pregnancy loss, neonatal deaths, and couples dealing with infertility. However, it would be such an injustice for me to sit with her here and, you know, say everything for her when she can actually give us the details by herself. Rachel, you're welcome. And could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, thank you, Viola, for having me. Yes, as Viola said, I am Rachel Akugiziwe. I work with Verso Is Me as the program's uh, manager, uh, basically the first contact person you, you reach out when you, 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 know, you call Verso Is Me. I basically do peer counseling and you know, I work with parents and couples. You know, when some, in most cases, when you say parents and then couples, people wonder why you separate these people. Mm. There is someone being a parent and they're not a couple. Okay, yeah. Yes. So we work with, with you know, the whole um, entire team, you know. Those ones, the mothers, the parents, and then the couples mm-hmm. who have um, been touched by pregnancy, infant laws, fertility challenges. But now this month being November, which is Prematurity Awareness Month, with the, uh, with the category of people we deal with, there is no way you do not deal with prematurity because with fertility, most cases, there is um, IVF and what. And most cases, those babies come as premiers, premature babies. And then when someone has gone through a series of miscarriages and what, chances are high for them to have premies and also i am I'm a premier mom I, I mean i have had a premature baby eight years ago so um this month is very close to our heart for the community we support but also for me as a person because i'm a prematurity mother i've had a premature and then i walk with these ladies you know yeah so well, when families uh, lose um, their babies or a mother, even if it's a single mother, that's like one of the most trying moments. I've seen a couple of them. I've not experienced it, but I've you know seen people from a distance and I've noticed how, how painful it can be for an individual. So tell us about your experience dealing with these moms. Do you see a lot of um, positivity after you've gone through the sessions with them? Do they remain stuck? You know, how does it all unfold? after a baby is gone? So, grief is not a linear process. Um, You can't walk from this step to this step. It's all wavy. Today you are the top, today you are the bottom. So, ours is to, you know, where you saw the part where um, training to be a grief coach. A grief coach is, you know, a person who's going to walk with your journey and teach you how to learn to live with the laws of when I'm triggered, basically how I handle this, 
So when people lose babies, so much happens. Our own is to teach them to live with a grief because triggers will come. You can not have a list of your triggers that this will trigger me and this, this, this. Anything can trigger me. Someone can just look at you and you remind them of their child. They are triggered. So it's teaching them on how to live with this loss and understand that now I'm, I'm triggered. Now this, I can do this. I can avoid this to basically protect their space, you know, and be able to thrive in whatever they do. There might be a mother listening to us and who has just lost a baby or maybe it's been like a couple of months and they're not healing. Also, they have no access to some of these services. So what is that one first step that you, you know, you'd encourage such a mother to take before they think of all these very you know, difficult, you know, you can get very difficult thoughts like suicide or something. So what do you think such a mother listening to us should start with first and foremost? Please not. It's not healing. It is learning to live with it. You can't heal from a child you lost. You learn to live with it. And um, there is no one size fits all. Everyone has what works for them. So for a mother who is dealing with that, first things first, reach out, seek for help. It's acknowledging first that I need help. I am not well in a because in the kind of environment we stay in, most people will tell you um, it is well, you know, you'll get another, you are young, God was saving you from something, all that drama. So it is for a mother acknowledging I'm not well. Who can I reach out to? First step on the healing journey is seeking for help. That's the first step. If you're cooked in your house, you're not talking, you're like, Unless you talk about something, someone cannot know how they can help you. So first things first, reach out, seek for help. Rachel, you mentioned something about triggers and, um, you know, like parents setting out. I'm very sure that most of the parents, literally the mothers in this case, might fear to just engage with the community because they fear the triggers. Again, they don't want something to remind them. They don't want someone talking to them. And I've had a couple of people say, I think you're overreacting. I think you're too sensitive. I think you're too much. You know, there is a lot of words that come through when people feel like you're not healing, you're not moving on, you're just being too much, you know. So what would you advise such a mother maybe trapped in a family of maybe where she got married into and she has got all these people speaking in her head and telling her, I think you're too much. By the time you think of saying, let me go for counseling or look for a therapist, they say, ah, I think this is just you know something you can move from. So what do you say to such a mother and external forces? Before even I say anything to such a mother, I'd love to say something about the support system, our families and our communities. You know, it's easy for you to want to fit in someone's shoes you have no idea about. Mm. You haven't lost a child before. Yeah. If you lost yours, made you feel different. So comparing things is very inhuman and rude. And giving unsolicited advice, kindly keep it to yourself. You know, um, just stop and think. If you have children, if my kids were not here, what would happen? You know, that alone would send you to a journey of understanding what these people are dealing with. But what I would tell such a mother, because your in-laws are your in-laws, your immediate family is your immediate family. You have to deal with them. So what do you do? Protect your space. Very important. 
if you know when I talk to Viola, she annoys me. Block her for a while. It's okay not to talk to you on phone. It's okay to you know to block you on WhatsApp. It's okay not to talk to you because you are bad news. You know, other people, of course, others are mothers, you in-laws, you know, all those things. Um, learn to journal. Write, write out whatever you're thinking because on paper and pen, no one is going to judge you. But also seek for help. I don't know how much I can repeat that. Seek for help. There is someone who is ready to listen to you. He's going to understand you. They might not feel what you're feeling, but they can relate. Okay, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, Rachel here with us on the Groove Cafe is uh, the programs manager at Verso Is Me, a peer counselor and currently a grief coach student. Very soon she should be able to become a full coach. We're here with her on the Groove Cafe and thank you so much as well for being with us and for listening into this conversation. We are talking about the loss of a child, loss of an infant, loss of a pregnancy and the grief that comes thereafter you have experienced such an occurrence. So Rachel, let's now talk about um, for mothers who have had like first two successful pregnancies that kind of gets you very comfortable. You might just feel like, oh, wow, finally my family is almost full. And then on the third pregnancy, things change. So for such a mother, um, I'm just asking this question for mothers who have maybe just gotten married or they've just gotten engaged or something, they have babies, but then they never see this coming. When you lose a first child, you might feel like, Okay, I can't put my hopes up. But when you've had four children, the fifth, you know, dies or something happens, you just go to another place in your mind. So uh, talk to us about how maybe families or parents can prepare for the uncertainties. You don't prepare for uncertainties. No one prepares for them. It happens and you deal with it. You don't prepare for that. But you see, the only thing we would love um, hospitals to do is... Um, when they're giving them antenatal, to tell them there is a possibility you may be coming and living forever without you raising them so that they manage their expectations. Simple. Okay, so yeah, I get it. I think uh, this time around it has go back to the, you know, health caregivers to sort of open up our minds. I know you can get used to the rhythm of life and feel like, oh, wow, my babies, my babies, and one minute they're gone. So thank you so much for talking to us about that. And I've seen that you also offer emotional support uh, through group sessions and one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions as well. Talk to us about that. Um, so the easiest, not even the easiest thing, there is so much in talking. Talking soothes, talking relaxes. It's basically talk therapy. You know, you feel hard, you know, when you tell someone, this is what I am going through. You feel very hard. So, it, uh, and also for the group um, sessions, it's because you need to hear from someone. You can relate and experience. When you're going through this alone, you feel the world caves in on you and it's about you, like, oh my God, how, why, I don't know, why has God done this to me? Why is the world so unfair with me? But if you sit with other people who have gone through what you're going through, or even worse, you have a community which understands you. So, so that helps you when you are dealing with your immediate support system, family, friends, relatives, workmates who don't know how to deal with you and your situation. You have now a new community that gets you, you know, in this community, it's easy. Like when I wake up and say today, 
it's a no-do life day, an angel parent will get it. But you might not get it. You'll be like, what's up? You know? Yeah. And um, I see that one of the reasons why you chose to offer this service was because you had an experience similar to all of this that you're talking to us about. Um, and you mentioned that people do learn from hearing about this from other people as well. So do you mind, Rachel, talking to us a little bit about um, how it all happened and maybe not everything, but some of the key areas that you notice and feel like this is something that maybe could have been you know, done one way or another um, in my healing journey. So I am going to say very little about that. Absolutely. Because... Um, we are in November, and my major emphasis today and any other day of November is prematurity awareness. So, yes, um, nine years ago, nine years and some months ago, I had a child, and through C-section, I had never had a cesarean section. I had had two. I had had one at 15 and one at 22. Yes, don't look at me like that. No, I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> so like, I'm just thinking mm, of C-section and I fear it very yeah, much. So I, have, so my thoughts I, have, I had had two and then this was my third child mm. and she came through C-section. The other mm. ones, I had had them, you know, by vaginal birth. Mm. I do not call it normal delivery. Every delivery is normal. Okay. Yes. Mm. Even by way of C-section, it's normal delivery. I've had people say natural birth. <laughs> there is nothing not unnatural about C-section. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah under so the knife either, as well. <laughs> it's either vaginal birth or by, by way of C-section. So okay. the third one came by way of C-section. And when we were in theater, I was told she needed to go to the neonatal intensive care unit, NICU. And I thought it was around the corner, which didn't happen. And yeah, um, she passed, as told. She, she passed. And when she passed, of course, there was no one to help me. There so wasn't, sorry. Yeah, there was no one to help me. There was no one to talk to. You know, they kept telling you, you know, you're a young girl, you get another person. Mm. Um, keep quiet, you know, don't cry. It is well. God was saving you from something. <laughs> All those things. Yeah. But the support I got was from a lady on social media who we happened to be in the same group called Beautiful Modern Mothers on Facebook. Mm -hmm. She reached out and told me, you see, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming so that we cry. You know, she had gone through it. She came from Salama side, came to where I was, told me I'm here for us to cry, so long as you're not going to kill yourself. So I'm here for you to cry. Let's talk. She had gone through it. For the first time in all that time, I felt like I was permitted mm -hmm. to cry and grieve. So for me, that's how it happened. And... This has uh, was close to my heart and what, because I knew these people don't have help. And mm -hmm. then, you know, after that loss, I immediately conceived. That's how I had a preemie who came at 32 weeks. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Rachel, for sharing and telling us about that. I know when you talk about something, people just feel like, oh, yeah, she's going through too. She's also dealt with it. She's also, you know, I had this moment. So it helps people indeed to feel normal, like whatever is happening to me is normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really want to shout out to the woman that came to your house to, you know, say I'm here to cry with you. I have had a couple of people say, don't cry. And then I read something on social media where a person said, the worst advice I've ever had is don't cry. Why are you telling people not to cry? When you cry, you let out the pain, you know, the agony, and then you feel better. 
And then for the first time, I actually understood that crying actually helps. So this woman, honestly, may God bless the angel. She, you know, at least heard you. And I understand the power of being heard, being heard, being seen. And so, yeah, we thank God you had someone in that time. And I pray for all the mothers as well to at least have someone. And talk about the husbands. Like in that case, where is the man? For example, if... um. This is a couple. You said couple, then parents. Okay, so let's say this is a married couple. They live together. They stay together. Um, have you had any experience of how men tend to handle such a loss? I deal with couples as well. And most of them, their biggest worry, actually their biggest concern is when this happens, all they can give them are hospital bills. No one reaches out to them. And, and because they are men, they are expected to, to be strong, to be macho, but they have lost a child as well. Mm-hmm. We are also giving them support to their fellow men who listen to these men, who know what they are, who can relate with what they are going through. And um, right now, this year we started encouraging that when we are giving therapy for a couple, they should come together. Because men and women grieve differently, they handle these things differently. So we have to help these two understand how this one deals and how the other deals. Yeah. Because this drifts couples a lot. All right. So, um, Rachel, um, please talk to us about uh, the 17th of November. That is the time you mentioned that you are trying to make people aware about premature births and everything surrounding that topic so please talk to us about the day and also talk to us about premature births and what really causes them how they can be avoided plus everything in between so every 17th november every single year it is the day the world um, raises awareness on prematurity uh, birth Um, so it's a global day it cuts across the whole world This year, the theme is promotion of skin-to-skin contact. Skin-to-skin contact is the kangaroo. You know where you see little babies and they are in, you know, they are dressed up in their parents' bodies to feel the heat. But uh, we would start with what's prematurity, you know? When you have a baby before they reach 36 weeks, you know, before the pregnancy is 36 weeks, sorry, 37 weeks is prematurity, it's having a baby prematurely, you know. So, 17th November, it's recognized as a World Prematurity Day in order to give visibility to the problem, raise awareness of the needs and rights of premature babies, like babies born prematurely, their families, and, you know, all the support system, you know. It's their importance to experience the quality of care from the health systems, and the adverse policies that can help on the premature babies. So that's basically why 17th November is is commemorated every single day globally. Every year has a theme. This one is skin to skin, you know. So, you know, a parent's embrace eh, is a very powerful therapy. So you enable skin to skin. That's why when they are in the NICU, it is the two parents, either the father or mother, who are allowed to do the skin-to-skin okay. kangaroo, you know? Yeah. And also, um, one of the leading causes of, uh, of baby infant dates is prematurity. Children born before their due date. So, um, there are those who can survive for a short term, 
there are those who can get short-term problems because born prematurely and then there are those who have long-term health problems when a child is born prematurely the earlier the child is born the more the chances of having health complications so far from 37 weeks yeah children who are born maybe at 2 weeks 20 weeks the problems are worse than that one born at uh, 34 weeks so the earlier the baby the higher the risk of health death and you know serious disability um can uh, premature births be prevented or controlled at least well <laughs> number one, we don't really have a conclusive reason but there are those reasons which are there that cause premature uh, you know but so we don't have a conclusive one that this one this one is it but there are those ones which um which cause um premature uh, but eh? the different you know signs and causes um there is babies born by way of IVF in most cases they are multiples because they're like two three babies so chances are they come early then also when someone has had a previous premature chances are they can have another one mm-hmm. you know then there is also the interval of less than six months between pregnancies you know where people have give birth so soon yeah. like you you conceive immediately yeah. there is also a chance of you know having a premature birth you know and then also problems with the uterus cervix or placenta reproductive system is quite delicate is there like maybe foods or something that you can do to make it stronger i wish i could, <laughs> you know i'm actually just these thinking these are the few known risks which would lead to to having a premature baby you know mm-hmm. then also smoking cigarettes okay. and using illicit drugs yeah that might be a way of life and mm-hmm. you are enjoying it and mm-hmm. having cold time but it's one thing also you know one risk of having um a premature birth also some infections okay. particularly of the amniotic fluid you know around the baby there is fluid around mm-hmm. the baby yeah. so also there could be infection the lower genital tract you know those infections in your yeah, in your okay. genitals eh? yeah. so they could also be a risk for for a premature birth also some coronary conditions people who have high blood pressure and people who have diabetes for me I had a preemie because my pressure's short. The pressure is short and he had to come. Okay. They had to you know, I, I had to be operated but also I had him very soon after the loss and the oh. C-section of the other one. Yeah. You know it's, it's as if I wanted to have another child. So yeah. I conceived so he came as a preemie. Okay. Also being underweight or overweight during all or overweight before pregnancy you know you could be very very overweight obese and but and then the baby will become prematurely or you underweight so also that is one known risk also stressful life events you might have lost someone you know the shock or what domestic violence so baby comes early then also you might have had multiple miscarriages or abortions 
like well well people who carry out abortions i guess it's their right it's not for me to say but in, in the long run when someone is looking into conceiving chances are they might have uh you know a baby's coming early because mm. you are over scratching the the uterus also physical injury or trauma all those things these are the known few risks but there is nothing which is conclusive that this particular man will cause you to have a baby early there are premature births which happen and they just happen and you do not know yeah but also this uh, the preemie babies are categorized in four different ones yeah the late preterms are born between 34 and 36 weeks of pregnancy you know those ones at times they are not even very very little or what and their chances of survival are high mm-hmm. then they are the moderately preterm now for me my son was a moderately preterm he was born at 32 weeks so we had to stay in niku for a while yeah those ones are born between 32 and 34 weeks and then there are those who are very preterm they are born less than 32 weeks okay and then they are extremely preterm oh. the extremely preterm are below 25 weeks you see have you had mothers telling you i had a baby who is 500 grams or 600 grams yes a half kilo and a hundred you know 600 grams very little babies mm. but in that time when you have those babies after having a preemie it's when i learned the importance of a child breathing not their size but them breathing okay he was all wired up but he was breathing he was 1 kilogram point something but he was breathing so there are those so those are the different categories of preemies for i always say the preemie moms are the unsung heroes because having a preemie is is not a walk in the park hey it's no one and also we have mild symptoms and then we have those um the actually, we have symptoms yeah we have the mild and short term complications when a child comes as a preemie okay. it's not just when someone has a preemie there are symptoms and and complications there are those which are short term there are those that are long term which someone should look out for so in this month we honestly want to raise awareness on all these things so that people can know that if i'm taking cigarettes and illicit drugs chances are i could have a preemie um if a child comes as a premature this could happen or this might not happen so it's just those things but you see one thing you should know with prematurity but it's not a one size fits all okay. you know one might have um i issue another heart issue oh. another one might have many things mm. so some of the signs of prematurity when you see a child and you don't need to ask if they were born prematurely mm. yeah and i really encourage for people to be very keen when they're making comments at people's children okay because you do not know there are those children who are small size with mm. a disproportional large head like the kid is really tiny body but the head is large chances are that child is a preemie so before you throw your comment that oh this child why are they like this you need to know then they are sharper looking less rounded features than a full term baby you see they lack fat mm. in their stores so their bodies are 
you'll see their eyes are really out. There is something about their bodies. I get you. Yes. So people should be very keen at some futures, not to just women. As your child is so little. Mm-hmm. You do so not know what someone is dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a fine hair covering much of their body. You'll find a baby who is so hairy and it's nicely <laughs> that silky hair and what it's called la lanugo something of the sort. So if you see such a child before you throw your comment please be very you know keen. Also they have low body temperature. That one happens especially immediately after birth. That's when they are hard and they are carried to the incubator um to raise up their temperature still because they lack enough stored body fat as a baby as a pregnancy grows there are things which happen in the very very final weeks so when a baby comes prematurely there is a lot of deficit in some things okay. also labored breathing that's uh, respiratory distress you'll find them having asthma issues of breathing like they struggle premies eh? so there are some things you look out for and you know this is a preemie child and also delayed milestone heating you might find a 3 month old is sitting but a preemie at 3 months they haven't thought of sitting they came early also the lack of reflexes of suckling swallowing this babies now for me my son had i used to feed him with a syringe for every 2 hours and then you have to increase two meals then the other day you add zero point something three meals so just imagine a syringe two meals of milk every 2 hours because they can't suck or they're struggling yeah. their muscles and what so they don't respond the time when i nick one they would tell you your child forgets to breathe So they're on oxygen they keep tapping them. So that's to remember to breathe. Yeah, these things lead to a lot of, you know, feeding difficulties when a child forgets to suckle, forgets to breathe. This generally um what prematurity birth looks like. It's not uh, when someone tells you I'm a preemie mom. Um <laughs> that person they are truly unsung heroes you know we've been different groups where preemie moms are and she'll tell you i'm tired they are constantly tired because yeah, you're so tired cuz you know you just can't give anyone your child they pick infections like everything of theirs delicate quite delicate so 17th oh. november um so what activities are taking place and uh, do you have a gathering um, are mothers coming together what's going to take place with ebola <laughs> not, we don't have physical things we are going to do. Okay. We still going to make as much noise as possible on social media. That's what we have. But also you know to just keep saying we are here. You ain't in this alone. There is a place to go to. There are quite a number of um premier groups where people walk with one another, you know, and also um I think like just two or three things I'd need to talk about still. Uh premiums of course are likely to need a longer stay in hospital in the NICU. Okay. But when all these things happen, there are those things um which any mother, father, parents, the entire team need to you know to look out for 
um, space for support. You know, who is that is going to support you as you go through this year? And that is very important. And also the two wings of complications, the short-term complications and the long-term complications. Some may be apparent at birth, while others may not develop until a later stage. So the short-term complications, breathing problems, they struggle to breathe, you know. The respiratory system, the lungs of the baby, they lack surfactant. So you might have had preemie moms saying, we have to buy surfactant for the child, which is very expensive too. Others have heart problems, still being born early, you know. Others have brain problems. There is a greater risk of bleeding in the brain when the child is born early, known as intraventricle hemorrhage. Most hemorrhages are mild and resolve in the short term, but others don't. And then the child has a constant um, brain problem, you know, which things turn into cerebral palsy and what and what. Then also there are temperature control problems. Okay. Seems yeah. like everything is just so delicate with the little one when they yeah. come very early. And I think that mothers who are listening to this, you really have to be very vigilant and alert and look out for the baby just so you make sure you monitor and not leave them alone. I don't think they can handle the rough, you know, wild environments like the babies that come at nine months. So I think, Rachel, we, we shall have um, to continue with this conversation um, here on Rex, but also go to social media, dear listeners, and follow up the 17th of November to be able to see the activities taking place um, online, actually, because of Ebola. And But make sure you follow up. This is something that can happen to anyone, everyone, whoever. So I think it's something that we all need to pay attention to. So thank you very much, Rachel. You can share with us your details. So that we, you know. Um, you can find us at Verso is Me, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, our website, Verso is Me. Okay. All right. So, dear listeners, reach out and uh, find some support at Verso is Me on social media and follow up on November 17th for what information they'll be giving out to the world regarding premature births and also loss in a family of infants. Thank you so much for joining us for the Groove Cafe. My name is Viola. We shall be back. Groove Cafe.